0: Log Talk Radio. And welcome to the 2023 U.S. Open Cup Round 1 Review Show. I'm your host, Daniel Forrestin, here on the Forrestin's Fire American Soccer Show. And tonight, we review the opening round of the 2023 edition of this wonderful tournament. It is back on, and it did not disappoint whatsoever. Amazing matches in the opening round involving amateurs and the national leagues of the NPSL, USL League Two, and of course, those amateur teams that did qualify through the four months of grueling qualification round tournament involving those teams tre- uh, reaching for the U.S. Open Cup proper edition in 2023. You know, every year, you try to look for a theme of an Open Cup. Sometimes it could be the abundance of red cards. Sometimes the amount of penalty shootouts per round that we have. Sometimes it could be the game-winning goal is an own goal by the opposition to give their opponents the big victory. Something crazy Something screwy, something nutty. Well, in this opening round, we've had six matches being involved with red cards. But four out of the six red cards that led to, after extra time and into the penalty kick shootout or after the penalty kick shootout, The winners that advanced to the second round winning the penalty kick shootout was the teams who were down a man for the rest of the match. Four out of the six were the winners advancing into the second round after going through extra time and or the penalty kick shootout. And ladies and gentlemen, that was unbelievable. Now, hopefully, that narrative or that trend will continue into the second round of the U.S. Open Cup, which will have a lot more games, of course. But you just got to say the drama, the energy, and the amazing moments that we watched in this in these games i shouldn't say it's a game it's in all these games in the opening round tuesday wednesday thursday nothing short of unbelievable moments in the u.s open cup i mean what we saw from some of these first timers kind of like nona fc Defeating Club de Leon B. You also saw a big moment, of course. Look, Tulsa Athletic playing a strong, clean game. Defeating the Brazos Valley Cavalry 1-0. Of course, the Des Moines Menace. What can you say about the the Des Moines Menace right now? The amateur team coming from USL League 2. Hopefully... They will go into the pro league section, the professional level, because what they have done for themselves, and for soccer in the state of Iowa, has been nothing short but brilliance. Absolute brilliance. And once again, they proved their dominance in the opening rounds, probably could do that again in the second round, we'll see how far they can go. It's been a while since they've gone deep into the Open Cup, but... Once again, that is the club. These are one of those legacy clubs that always qualifies for the Open Cup and always wants to do something big in the Open Cup. So the hope we all have for Des Moines, they go deep into the next round, and everything is going to be absolutely fantastic. You want to know what else is fantastic? Once again, the king of creating professional soccer clubs In the United States, Peter Wiltz. Peter has done it again. Now, obviously running, not just starting, I should say, not just starting the Chicago Fire in Major League Soccer, not just having Indy 11, that was at the time in the NASL, now in USL Championship, forward Madison in USL League One, Chicago House now, being involved originally with Nissa, now into the amateur ranks, Chicago House. And they come up big with a 1-0 victory over the Bavarian United in the Milwaukee, from the team from Milwaukee. Just unbelievable with a single goal. I would say it was a fairly even match until the back end of regulation where their goalkeeper found a big, big way to keep that ball out of Chicago House's net. And if you go on Peter Wilt's Twitter account, there's a picture of him showing off, as always, the four championship rings involving the Chicago Fire winning the U.S. Open Cup. You can say that the players were the ones that defeated Bavarian United, I'll say it was Peter Wilt's uh, championship rings that was shining brightly and distracting the other side. Intentionally or unintentionally, you can make whatever claim you want, that's fine. I just feel like he's the one that uh, always puts the proper context into how the U.S. Open Cup should be handled and how it should be defended and at the same time uh, being fought for. And for him, as an owner or as a member of the front office, which however you want to call it, that is the first victory in the very first round of the Open Cup for Peter Welt. So say whatever you want about the man. He always takes this tournament seriously and he puts everything on the table and it's just wonderful to see that it's just wonderful to have him do that and peter wilt in my opinion always shows what his intentions are when we get to the u.s open cup it's just absolutely incredible um Another great matchup uh, between UDA Soccer out of New Mexico and Park City Red Wolves. And it was a penalty by Jose Puente that converted for UDA and launched them into the second round of the Open Cup. And that's a big, big moment for them as they're going to take on uh, their USL brethren in New Mexico United in that second round matchup. So that should be a fun one to see. Obviously, you know, when you got the amateurs taking on the big, the big boys, and in their minds, New Mexico United, as the professional-level club within the state of New Mexico, that is the big boys right there for them. And they're going to go and find a way to challenge them in the Open Cup and find a way to go out and get that result. That they really needed crossfire premier of course uh on the road uh, in oakland against project 510 they defeat them project uh 510 is defeated by crossfire premier three goals to nil and then of course uh a big big matchup between cleveland sc and the npsl defeating lions bridge in usl league two one nil and of course that's one of those games I was talking about their match winner they had a man sent off Cleveland SC and they advanced into the second round by holding off Lionsbridge all night long and then of course from New York State just the first suburb north of New York City Lansdowne Yonkers the the boys with a 2-1 victory comeback victory as they visited Hartford City and will of course be heading back to Hartford to take on Athletic in USL Championship so they're going back to the same stadium to face both Hartford teams in in succession first with Hartford City in the first round and then of course Hartford Athletic of usl championship in the second round that's going to be a tighter and tougher matchup for lansdowne but knowing them they'll take the uh the initiative and they're going to go find a way to go and get that victory for themselves obviously so that is what we are all going to take a look for to see what's going to happen and all you can do is hope for a great match Hope for a great match, and we'll see what happens moving on forward. And of course, uh, when we find out about more streams coming for the Open Cup, uh, I'll let you know on the Scenes Fire American Soccer Show uh, when those games will be televised during the Open uh, uh, for the Open Cup. But once again, ladies and gentlemen. The opening round was absolutely fantastic. The opening round was filled with excitement. Three days filled with excitement. Just enjoying ourselves with tons and tons of excitement. Action. Beautiful goals. Beautiful moments. At times, maybe a heart-wrenching moment here and there. But all you can say is, for the Open Cup, it was absolutely magnificent. And I got to tell you, it was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Absolutely brilliant. You know, you're looking at all these scores. And I keep score all the time. I have everything uh, on my uh, Excel, my Google Sheets. However you want to use it, keeping track of everything that goes on in the U.S. Open Cup. But I also got to say, the opening match match that happened on that Tuesday between Westchester United and the Ocean City Nor'easters, that was an amazing match. That was unbelievable. That was a 3-1 victory for Ocean City, originally down a goal and then exploding with three of their own, Andres LaTorre in the 18th, Dylan Ivande in the 60th, and then Andres Sabino on a penalty eight minutes later, 3-1 victory for Ocean City Nor'easters of USL League 2 as a knockoff. Honestly, um, a very hard fought and a hard no side in Westchester United in Eastern Pennsylvania. Nothing more you can say, nothing more you can do. This, my friends, was unbelievable. And I want to tell everyone that, you know, I'm happy that we got the majority of those first-round matches, not just through the Bleacher Report football YouTube page, but for those teams that was able to create uh, and get a stream going to basically provide for all of us those wonderful moments so that we can watch these games happen and that I'm able to keep track of what the situations were in all these matches. And um, that's it. And uh, we'll get to more exciting moments, of course, here uh, here on the 40 Saints Fire American Soccer Show to review the first round matches of Omar Hunt US Open Cup. Now, normally I have a guest in my first segment, but that will be starting in about 15 minutes or so. I want to give praise And my praise about the Open Cup is this. First things first, let me talk to you all about what I saw on Friday night and as well as this past Tuesday night. Excuse me, this past Monday night, last night. CONCACAF Nations League, TNT Turner Sports showing both matches, not just on the road in Grenada, but at home in Orlando against El Salvador. Now, what happened was this. What happened was this. After the games were done, you're watching the post-match show, both on TNT. And the Friday match was in studio down in Atlanta at TNT's Atlanta studio. And it was this set that they used for the pregame and the postgame show uh that the uh, the NHL on TNT uses. You know, they have their own studio for the NBA on TNT. Now you have a studio for the NHL on TNT. And so the studio for the NHL was being used for the USA game. And there is Sarah Walsh as the host. Your analysts are Demarcus Beasley, Brian Dunseth, match analyst as well as in the studio, uh, Kyle Martino. They talk about the match. Great analysis. Then they go to commercial. No big deal. They go to commercial. Not a problem at all. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. I am doing my post-game show on... right here on Blog Talk Radio, and then they come back from the commercial back to the broadcast of the postgame show. But then something weird happened. What was that weirdness? Well, they showed a soccer field, one during the day, one during the night. Grass fields, uh, field turf fields, the plastic pitches, a dirt field. And then all of a sudden something clicked in my head. And I'm thinking to myself, no way. This is not happening. And then you see little entrance cardboard, plastic, whatever you want to call it, um, walking through that little information tunnel. And on the top of it in words says, US Open Cup. I was flabbergasted. I was shocked. I was so happy. I was so proud. For the very first time ever, not counting the Cup.US, not counting people who support this tournament, not coming just from me supporting this tournament, promoting the tournament. Turner Sports actually promoting the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. That, what we all witnessed and we all saw, was the intro montage of the Open Cup broadcasts that we see, match, is being shown now on the Bleacher Report football YouTube page. Whichever matches are scheduled for Bleacher Report, that opening montage is what you get. I was floored. I was in seventh heaven. I could not believe what I saw. And there it was on the screen, the U.S. Open Cup logo, the Bleacher Report logo, second round games broadcasted from April 4th through April 6th. That was unbelievable. There it is. And then on Tuesday, post-match, after interviewing goalkeeper Matt Turner after his uh, baby gender reveal party after the match, uh, him and his wife are having a second child and I believe it's a girl. Because it didn't look like it was the blue powder; it looked like a pinkish, whitish powder. So I will go with it. it's a girl. After interviewing Matt Turner, after uh, when the match was over at the side, near side table for the TNT crew. Once again, another promotion. Of the U.S. Open Cup. Now, as we all know, Orlando City won the tournament last year. What's next? What is next to the TNT, U.S. men's, U.S. soccer broadcast crew, the production crew for the pregame and the postgame? The actual trophy itself. They have done more. Turner Sports has done more promoting already than ESPN, Fox Sports, and Gold TV combined for this tournament. They have done more already on two... U.S. Men's National Team Broadcasts, discussing the Open Cup. On that Friday post-game show, Demarcus Beasley, three-time Open Cup champion, two with Chicago, one with Houston, Brian Gunseth, Open Cup champion, I think with Columbus, Kyle Martino, also an Open Cup champion with Columbus, and how they profess their love to the Open Cup. Now, we can complain about the budget of U.S. soccer. We can complain about basically anything and everything. They have done in a negative way, done everything negatively, no matter what. But good on Turner Sports for showing why the Open Cup is important to all of us. Single elimination football from the opening round all the way to the final. Now, at the moment, Bleach Report opening round, second round, I believe also the third round. I truly believe we're going to have Bleach Report running the Open Cup all the way into the quarterfinals. But from the cup.us, there has been um, an idea floated around. I believe it was a rumor going around that U.S. soccer is going to allow VAR into the semifinals and the final of the Open Cup. No VAR at all in all the rounds past years, but it looks like VAR is coming in into both the semifinals and the final. And dare I say it, because Turner – Will have this year the Stanley Cup Finals on their network. Normally, they will have NBA playoffs, but ESPN ABC will be having the all games in the final uh, on their tele, on their televisions. Uh, TNT will probably be showing the Stanley. Well, they will be showing the Stanley Cup Finals this year, so they're gonna have the NHL playoffs, or the Stanley Cup playoffs all the way through till middle of June. Would that be something if Turner puts the semifinals and the final on TNT? I'm not saying that I have a true source. I'm not saying that I have knowledge. But wouldn't it be exciting if we would see the Open Cup on both on, on TNT for both the semifinal games and the final itself? The only time a final was on a major... Sports Network. Gold TV is nice. It's okay. Obviously, when we had Fox Soccer Channel, that's okay. The 1999 Open Cup final on ESPN between the Colorado Rapids and the now deceased Rochester Raging Rhinos. That, my friends, is unbelievable. That, my friends, is unreal. And that, my friends, is what we should all be striving for. TNT, Turner Sports, now showing why they believe in this sport. And they believe in our national teams. And they also believe in the U.S. Open Cup. (sighs) This is what we've all been waiting for, hasn't it? This is the tournament that will now finally gain the respect that it finally deserves. This is the tournament that we all talk about. Why is it everybody loves the FA Cup, not just from within England, but from everywhere else? And all the matches are shown on ESPN through their ESPN Plus app. Why? Oh, because it's England? If you love that tournament, don't you love what we do here for the Open Cup? Well, it's the same thing. David knocking off Goliath in a one-and-done scenario. Now, unfortunately, in England, there are replays if the first match ends in a draw. No replays here. No. If you are level after 90 minutes, you go in extra time. And if you're still level after extra time, we go to penalties. One and done. Talking about here. This is the excitement of the Open Cup. You love it when you see it. You hate it if it happens to the side that you love. But, hey, all I can say is this and this is from uh the days of the adventurers club at pleasure island in Walt Disney World some days you eat the bear and some days the bear eats you but always dressed for the hunt and that's what the and that's what the US open cup is silly i know i mean it stuck with me for a very very long time It's just craziness and stuff like that. But let me just say this once again. That is what we have. And we do it every single year fighting for silverware. To be crowned the national champion of American soccer on the professional and the amateur levels affiliated and associated with U.S. soccer. I was happy. I was ecstatic. I loved it. And I want to see more of it. Continue on promoting the Open Cup. Continue promoting the Open Cup Turner Sports. Show us why it's important to all of us. And now, do us all a favor. And I'm being serious about this. Bleacher Report. U.S. Soccer, Open Cup Committee. The final round of qualifying for the amateur teams for the next edition of the Open Cup in 2024. How about we have Bleacher Report broadcast all of the remaining December qualifiers. Do that. And let's go ahead and have some fun. Great show for tonight, my first guest. Uh, Through recording, Mr. Ray Salvatore, head coach of Manhattan FC, on their victory against FC Motown. And there's that interview right now. Daniel Foyerson here. Welcome back to the 2023 U.S. Open Cup Round 1 Review Show. As we get ready to talk about those clubs that won their first round matches and getting ready, of course, soon for their second round matchups. Joining me tonight... From Manhattan SC of USL League 2, this is Ray Salvatore, the head coach of Manhattan SC. Ray, welcome to the show. Congratulations on your first-round victory.
1: Wow, thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate you having me on the show. And, uh, yeah, I'm still buzzing about it. Uh, Really gutty performance by the guys, so very proud of them.
0: So, just out of curiosity for some of us, when did this club get started? And how important was it for you to finally reach that moment that uh, you were going to into? Excuse me, that you were going to be uh, involved with the U.S. Open Cup in 2023?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been a long time, long journey. Uh, club was started, uh, Manhattan Soccer Star Club started in 1997. Um, yeah, I've been here 25 years personally myself. So um, to see the progression from being a, a local community youth club. Uh, to being more on a, a regional national level stage at the youth level. We, we've won a bunch of youth national championships. Um, we've had some uh, pretty significant players, not just in college soccer, but also um, you know, in the professional ranks. So Jack Harrison at, at Leeds United, he's probably our most uh, prestigious alum, uh, was part of our club and helped us win a USYSA national championship in, in 2014. And, Jacob Schaffelberg, uh, right now that plays for for Nashville, um, was part of our 2016 National Championship team too. So uh, it's been a steady progression. Uh, we joined USL Two uh, in 2019. Um, good some good learning years there. Those are our first years, kind of stepping into a, a pre professional environment, mainly college kids, amateurs, and um, you know we always ran a U23 team in New York City. And you know I always tell people there's such a large population here. Uh, of, of people, different ethnicities, different backgrounds, and you know a lot of soccer going on in New York City. So when we stepped into the pre-professional level, it took us about uh, a couple seasons to get adjusted to it and see what the demands and the needs were of that to be successful. And you know, this is past summer, uh, summer 2022, we won our division, our Metropolitan Division um, of the Eastern Conference, and in USL2, and, and through that we were able to qualify for the Lamar Hunt Open Cup as being a top-five finisher in the country So, at that level. So we were excited to hear that. We were excited to qualify, and we wanted to uh, take a step into such a, uh, an amazing competition that I've known for many, many years. And obviously this country, I believe it's the 107th edition of the Lamar Hunt Open Cup. And New York City in particular, over the years and even over a century now, has had some real presence. Um, in, in the five boroughs and the Omaraha Open Cup, in fact, many teams have actually won the cup uh in, in the past, so uh excited to represent Manhattan in this
0: and uh the location you had your match in, of course, was on the campus of the College of Mount Saint Vincent. a colleague of mine was really, really happy with the layout of where the the field is, of course, right along the hudson River uh that's where you like to charm your opponents and beat them. <laughs>
1: It, 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 well. I don't know if it had much to do with it but uh um it, it's a very scenic place uh we did a, a partnership with the college of St. Vincent in terms of their their field project that, that they were involved in and um uh, it's it's a it's a home for our youth players and and also for our pre-professional players and uh what a great way to kick off our pre-professional um you know tenure at, at college of Mount St Vincent with, a, with an open cup victory Uh, in our first ever games. So, uh, yeah, beautiful place. and uh, You should come see it, Dan. It's amazing.
0: Oh, believe me, I bet it is. And, uh, of course, uh, everything's beautiful in the Bronx, that's for sure. Uh, Let's go ahead and uh, talk about your first-round matchup with FC Motown. Of course, they are uh the defending NPSL champions from last season and um, a real tough opponent that you had to face against and down early uh in this one in the twenty sixth minute you were scored on by uh, Franco Caetana and um you know what what was FC Motown's I guess uh you know game plan to face against you guys?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it was um, when we first got the draw and we saw that we got FC Motown, um, we we know the organization well. Um, We played them on the USL2 level, but this was their NPSL National Championship team. We know know their roster was full with players who have not only international experience but MLS experience and very talented group, Gideon Bogg, great coach, um, definitely a class organization and, and you know, we knew that we had to really come out with a good tactical plan against them to to be successful. Um, you know, we tried to slow the game down as much as we could. Um, you know, really, you know, cut off any type of counterattacks and, and allowed the game to, you know, get into a little bit of a track meet up and down. I thought we were very compressed and compact and, and solid. Um, obviously, you know, Motown showed their quality because even when we were in that kind of um, in that state, they, they scored on us. But, you know, it was a uh, not an insurmountable lead, and um, I think the way we played and, and stuck to the plan helped us conserve energy. And um, as the game stretched out, um, and we started gaining some confidence, and we got level, and um, that's when the game really opened up in our favor. And I thought that helped us with our with our condition, our legs down the stretch to go after to go after the game and get the result in the overtime.
0: Yep, you really did. And of course, uh, Bibi Hakim, uh, Karamoko get that equalizer in the 55th minute. Talk about him. Where did you find him and, and how important? Obviously, an equalizer is always important in these Open Cup type of tournaments, but what makes him so important for you to make Manhattan as he get these victories?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, it, it, I call it the bridge to um, the pre-professional environment. I mean, BB um, is 17 years old, uh, born in 2005. Um, he's part of our ECML program. Uh, on the youth level, we're part of the League Clubs National League, very proud members of uh, of that organization. Um, and, you know, he's been with our program now for three to four years now, and he's been a, 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 a revelation, in fact, of how he's developed, not just physically, but also uh, his training ethic is, is outstanding, and obviously his athleticism is, is off the charts. And, and this was his debut for us. You know, he's committed to NC State. Uh, I was gonna play for, for George Kiefer and Jeff Degelli and that great program and, and you know, Dan, the players that have come through NC State, you know, the Tab Ramoses of the World, uh Henry Gutierrez, um Pablo Maschereni, you know, these these are that's a program that has um, you know, players that have played in the World Cup and represented the national team um on on many levels. So we're we're excited that he's that he's heading there to play in the A C C but uh, I think th- Uh, You know, being a 17-year-old and and stepping up into that game, you know, you never quite know um, how a young player is going to be in that environment. But um, he took it on. He showed a lot of bravery, um, showed a lot of confidence. And uh, um, I tell people all the time, I I watched Hakeem grow up in front of my eyes in that game against Motown. Um, He was outstanding. He was a threat in the first half. Um, We thought uh, we can get in behind Motown with him. A very tricky player, a very strong player, attacking player. And um, he was... uh, he was a thorn on Motown's side. Um, I give Motown a lot of credit. They they made some tactical adjustments and put a more athletic player on his side. But, uh, you know, BB's determination and, um, you know, his, his willingness to succeed, you know, really came out. And um, he was a factor in both goals for us. Yeah,
0: very true. And then, of course, uh, the match ends uh, 1-1 in regulation. And then you move on into uh, extra time. And that's the big moment there. Will Loka. Getting that big, big go-ahead goal in the 106th minute of extra time, and you're just all you have to do is defend that match uh, for the rest of the way, and on you move on to the second round. Another uh, an 18-year-old as well, Will Loka. Uh, what makes him so special for Manhattan?
1: Yeah, Will, Will's been in our program for a very long time as a youth player. Again, he, he they play him and BB play in the same ECML under 19 team in our club. Um, Will's come into Dartmouth uh, to play for Bo Shoney. Who's played for the national team and um, Southern Connecticut grad, so we're very excited for him uh, to go to the Ivy League. He's got um, some great physical talents. He's a tall player, uh, a lot of power, a lot of a uh, lot of strength, um, great mobility, um, and that was that was something that we felt could really help us um, in the latter stages of the game. I, I usually look at players around the 60th minute, you know, just to see how they're doing and in terms of conditioning, and you know, our number eight was. Um, you know, I felt reached his max, and um, at 60th minute, I actually I felt the game was heading in our favors, so I waited a bit longer uh, to, to enter Will, um, and I, I told someone this in a prior interview as well, um, Will, Will made me look good um, that night by making that change, and he, he came in and, and came with some pace uh, on the game-winning goal, he, he connected with our, our number six, which was Jethro Dede, and that was at midfield. And uh, they got it out wide to B.B. and, you know, Will, with his mobility, he, he made a, a 40, 50-yard, you know, drive towards the goal and put himself in a position centrally to receive the ball from B.B. And, you know, once he got the ball and, and he's a left-footed player and can hit the ball really well and he was central, it was a great angle, and the way he turned on it, I felt had a really good chance and he buried his opportunity. So um, the, the fact that our two teenagers that are products of our youth program to, to step into an open cup, Um, and play against the national champions in FC Motown and make that type of impact. Um, It's really satisfying as a director of coaching for the club to to see youth players uh, step up in a a more adult and pre-professional and professional environment like the Open Cup is.
0: How amazed are you within the five boroughs? Even obviously, you know where, where Manhattan plays. You're on the border of Westchester County and on the east, on the western side of Yonkers, uh, that you're able to find talent it, incorporate that talent into Manhattan SC. And you know you've done very well for yourselves here within the metropolitan area.
1: Yeah, I mean New York City is such a. Um you know uh, to me it's the epicenter of everything and i and I just think it's uh for for soccer as well it it really is a soccer city and uh, not just the the different ethnicities um the large player pool um but we're a program you know, man a soccer club that that takes training seriously takes uh practice deeply and um you know we play a competitive program we also support high school soccer as well. So I think that's an important thing that we do where players are here. or oh, they also play at the high school level as well. Uh, Martin Jacobson at MLK, um, high school, if you know who he is, um, you know, very good, uh, nationally ranked high school program. Many of their players play, um, from my club and we have a great relationship there. So it, it really is community based and community built. And, um, you know, I think we've been, we've been doing it now for 25 years and I think we have a reputation within, within the five boroughs. And, um, Players like Will and Akeem are, are kind of our shining stars right now um, as those players that have come through our program. And um, we feel they've trained well and they've, they've hit our pillars that we're looking for in developing players and young people. And, uh, you know, we're just excited to see where they can take it from there. But there's many, there's many great players coming up um, through our club and, you know, we're hoping that this type of game um, this U.S. Open Cup and the type of crowd that we have, and the fact that it was live streamed and it was showed, you know, throughout our community, um, really inspires our younger players to to want to play in that type of environment one day and be the next Willoka and be the next uh, BB Caraballo. So, um, it's just a big inspirational story, and um, you know, hopefully, it's a, a, a even more of an ignition moment in our club. To get our young players really motivated and playing.
0: Now I'm going to put uh, a friend of yours on the spot here. What's it like working with Paul Nicholas, if you don't mind me asking?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, Paul is Paul's fantastic. Paul's great. You know, he's uh, he's part of our um, administrative executive staff here. I mean, Paul Nicholas. You know, his background uh, with uh, Celtic, and uh, he's probably one of Harvard University's all-time greatest players and uh, uh, great guy, great sense of humor. Uh, Great working relationship I have with him. And, uh, you know, he he knows the game very, very well. And uh, we have some great conversations. I went to school in Brandeis. So, you know, we were up in the Boston area. He's a little bit older than me. But, you know, we played in the Lazar League together up there way back when. And, uh, you know, we share some some connections and some stories and some places. And uh, he's a great soccer guy, a great person. So, yeah, Paul Nicholas. um, Happy that he's part of our organization.
0: That's great to hear. And now, of course, your second-round opponent will be up in uh, Western New York against uh, Flower City Union of Rochester. Um, you know, a team, it's uh, going to be a difficult matchup with you guys. What are you expecting, and uh, how do you think it's going to be played out?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, this is the next step for our group now um, is to step into... Um, uh, an environment, you know, a professional team that we're playing in flower city, step into their environment, go on the road, uh, play a Tuesday night game up there. Um, for me, it's just, it's just interesting as a coach to see how your players react in those situations. You really can't prepare for going into another person's environment and, 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 uh, adjust to those kind of conditions. So, you know, we have our, we have our game plan in place. Our players really have bought into it. And, uh, you know we've shown that we can get the job done, so we're going to go in there very confident and um, you know look to, look to get after the results. So we know it's not going to be handed to us, we know they're they're a great group and um, you know Rochester' is another great soccer city for anyone that that knows the landscape here um, in New York in New York state. I mean Rochester is a is a big soccer area, so uh, we're going to bring New York City and meet up in Rochester and, and let's see who the best that comes out on top.
0: Absolutely, and that's Ray Salvatore of Manhattan ST joining us on the Open Cup Round 1 Review Show. Ray, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Hope you have a very good uh, evening, and please, good luck for from me for the club in the second round of the U.S. Open Cup.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks for your time, and thanks for having me on.
0: And once again, that is Ray Salvatore, head coach of Manhattan FC. They move on to the second round of the Open Cup. Joining me right now uh, is the head coach of, Apple, of uh, Appalachian FC. And this is the head coach, Mr. Dale Parker, joining me tonight. Dale, good evening. Congratulations on winning your first opening round match in the Open Cup.
2: Thank you very much for, for having us on. Yes. Yeah, uh, uh, it's a dream. Obviously, we weren't expecting it, but here we are, heading to round two.
0: Absolutely, and what a match it was! Uh, right off, fireworks right off the get-go in the opening seconds of that uh, of that first-round match. Uh, you got yourself a heck of a player in uh, Camden Holbrook. Gets a brace with uh, within the first 32 minutes of that match.
2: Yeah, I mean he's he's one of the players that's been around since we since we first began the club. Um, he was one of the guys that, that lost his programme at App State, so he he knows what it means you know, to play for the club and to play at that stadium in front of those fans. Um, so it really was fitting for him to to open up the scoring. Obviously, we didn't expect to score as quickly as we did. Um, certainly changed changed the plan for the game. But yeah, I mean to score as early as he did, and then to go on and get the second goal. Um, before all the chaos began, it was uh, it was an amazing moment for him and obviously his family.
0: I have to ask you this though. I mean, as you said, before the chaos came, you had to be buzzing in your technical area, watching this 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 fantastic side. All of a sudden, coming out of nowhere and just putting up two so quickly.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was because you know you you know we don't get long to, to prepare the team for a, for a match like that. And um, all the guys getting in town on Saturday night, you know, you, you build a game plan in your head. You try and picture how the game might go. Um, and to be 2 up, you know, not even, you know, 35, 36 minutes played, um, and to be feeling comfortable in the game, it really, it really was a, a nice feeling to have and a nice position to be in. But as you know, especially in cup football, things can turn... Very very quickly, and they certainly did on the night. But yeah, those those first 36 minutes were quite you know quite enjoyable. Some of the best times we've had on the sideline up until that point. But um, yeah, it it certainly took a turn uh, after that. You
0: no, know, it really did. Unfortunately for you, uh, uh, Juancho Fernandez pulls one back in the 38th minute. But then two minutes later. North Carolina Fusion goes down to 10 men on a straight red to Brian Torrey. Now, did you feel at that time before you got to the half, okay, this is still in our favor, we still got some wonderful uh, footballs to still be played, we have another 45 minutes to go?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, you start planning your halftime team talk in and around that time, and um I was hoping to get in at two nil and and sort of reevaluate the game plan for the second half. And then obviously a cheap giveaway and a great cross, great header from them got them back in the game, um, which made us change, you know, what we were what what we thought we were going to do in the second half. But then the red card changed that again. So we had three or four different team talks, you know, in the space of uh, six or seven minutes there at the end. And listen, I you know, playing with ten men or playing against ten men, it's it's the two completely different things sometimes you'd almost rather play with 10 at times because at least you have a plan Um, you have a game plan going into it and playing against 10 is always difficult especially against a team that um, has that that strength in depth and the quality they had on the pitch and we knew the second half wouldn't be wouldn't be as straightforward Uh, so that was the message at half time the game certainly wasn't done and dusted Um, and we had to be on our guard and, and obviously we paid the price for that later on in the game
0: Yeah, 79th minute. Fred Ferreira uh, finds the back of the net uh, for that equalizing goal at 2-2, but uh, you still held your nerve. You get into extra time. Now, what do you say to your side? You know, you had a lead through almost 80 full minutes of the match, and then you're going to be going into extra time. What do you say to your team uh, before extra time begins?
2: It was a tough one because obviously we, we were disappointed to give up the lead, but at the same time, we had put things in perspective. Um, we were still in the match. We were still having success. We had a man up. You know, we, we had, yeah, you know, not not the deepest bench in terms of strength and depth, but we had legs to bring on the field. And we've been quite, you know, smart with our substitutions throughout the game, um, which gave us extra legs to use in extra time. So, um we changed the game plan a little bit just to make sure we weren't exposed on the counter attack but you know the message was was simple stay in the game you know don't don't drop in and and accept that you know this is this may or may not go to penalties let's try and win it um but at the same time let's not you know shoot ourselves in the foot here and lose the match but um yeah we're quite level-headed going into extra time you know i think that's important especially in a game like that and uh yeah, managed to see it through, and and then obviously go into penalty kicks.
0: Absolutely, even though you they did go down to nine men, and Adam Birchall got double yellow and sent off in the 117th minute. But then you go to penalties. Now, recently, and I know it doesn't happen all the time during penalty kicks. You, it will always be one side getting everything done correctly. And then you have the other side that misses all their chances. Were you surprised to see North Carolina Fusion miss all three penalties?
2: Yes, surprised. I mean, as, a, as an English guy, I um, have terrible luck uh, supporting anyone that has a, that goes through a penalty shootout. So for me, the, the dread of penalty kicks is not something I was looking forward to. But yeah, um, it's always nice when the opponent misses the first one, you know, it's, it kind of balances the the nerves a little bit, and it makes every other every other guy that has to step up there a little less, you know, f- feeling the pressure a little less. So, yeah, to to miss all three, I've never seen it before. Um, in in a game that I've personally experienced, I've seen it once on TV, um, you know. But our, our guys were icy cold. You know, they were very very well prepared. You know, we, we gave a strong message before the penalty shootout that you know there's no heroes and villains, just a group of players that are willing to take and willing to execute in the, in that moment, and um, yeah, I think we went it with again with very level heads, very calm minds, and that certainly paid dividends in the end.
0: Kevin DeLange was the uh, penalty kick winner for your side and uh, sending you into the second round of the Open Cup. Now I have to ask you, obviously. How big was the home crowd for your side to root for your side to not only play well, but the hopes and the dreams of advancing to the next round?
2: That is massive. I, I, I say this to everybody. Um, if you haven't had a chance to experience it yet, I think go to Boone and experience one, one of our home games. It's it's such a unique, um, unique environment. We get... You know a massive crowd that packs out that small stadium, and the noise and the and the the atmosphere is, is just fantastic you know I've played uh and coached in front of some crowds before, but this one this one uh is matched by no other uh, it's so loud and and energetic and and you only get that really when when a group of supporters or a community is truly behind the team you know they're not just there um to watch a soccer game you know they're there because they want to be um behind it you know they they support their community they support their club uh, and you can feel it in the way that they project themselves during the match and to do that again you know we've, we've had a couple of really good nights out there at uh, Ted Mike. obviously last year having some success in the conference uh, hosting the final there and, and getting the community involved and getting those supporters involved on the field after the game and it was just amazing to do it again um, on, on a much bigger scale this time in the Open Cup so Um, They're a massive factor in in our success. They're a massive factor in in the way that we we want to play the game at home. And Hopefully, we can bring a large group with us to Charlotte next week.
0: Absolutely, and that should be a fun one. We'll get to that in just a moment. Just out of curiosity, if I can ask you this, I don't know how long you've been in the States, but what is your best memory either watching Open Cup matches through uh, the streaming, through YouTube, or through ESPN, or... Ba- being back in in Europe, uh, you know what FA Cup matches uh, can you remember that you were so excited to see and you couldn't believe it happened to, in front of your
2: eyes? I think you know it shares so many similarities with with the FA Cup. You know, growing up, the FA Cup for me was um, was the be all end all. You always dreamed about playing an FA Cup final. Um, the day itself, you know, it starts first thing in the morning. You put the TV on and they do a build up a build up show all the way through the day. Um, it's changed a little bit now, you know, with the TV rights and stuff. But, um, I always remember, you know, the, my local team works uptown, used to play in the FA cup qualifiers and the one year they made it through to the first round proper. Um, unfortunately they played away from home, but I remember, uh, hanging onto the radio all day trying to find out how they did. They played ball right away, And, um, they ended up losing the game, and I watched it on Match of the Day, was the show that they watched it, where you watched all the highlights in the evening. Uh, so that was just an incredible memory for me as a kid, seeing my hometown team on, on the national television. You know, just the highlight show. Um, and I think, I think I personally took inspiration from, uh, from last year's Open Court, watching those teams. You know, you know, having a USL Championship side play in the final. Um, that, that just shows you that it's not just about the MLS teams. And, and I think it's becoming more and more prevalent now that the amateur teams are having a bigger impact on these early rounds. Uh, and I think for any young coach that's coaching in, in MPSL, or USL2 or whatever amateur league it is, to get that kind of experience, to get that kind of exposure, it's really motivating. Um, and, it, and it ties you it ties you to the professional game in, in a way that I've only ever seen you know, in England growing up in the FA Cup.
0: Absolutely. And it should be a fun one uh, in the second round. Now, as you've already said, you're going to be facing off uh, in the second round on Wednesday, April the 5th. You'll be on the road against Charlotte Independence over uh, at the um, Mecklenburg County Sportsplex in Matthews. What worries you about Charlotte Independence? Because to be honest... They haven't been that successful in the Open Cup ever since they started playing in USL uh, leagues, whether it be championship or in USL League One. But what worries you about them? But what advantages do you think you have?
2: Uh, I think I think their the, the recent history in the Open Cup is, is a worry for us because they're going to want to put that right. Um, obviously, they've had a, a couple of slip-ups here in the last few years. Um, and I'd assume this year they're going to, I'm going to want to make sure it doesn't happen again. So um, we've got to be prepared for that. I expect a tough game. I expect them to come after us and I don't think they're going to let us have it easy. Um, but at the same time, you know, we, we've we gained a little bit of momentum now. You know, we've gained a bit of traction in terms of our style of play and what we want to do in this game. And the fact that, you know, I can turn on the TV and, and watch a few games that they've already played gives me an advantage in terms of putting the scout and the port together. But at the same time, um, we're playing against a pro team. You know? We're playing against guys who, who do this for a living uh, and, and against a program, a team that's going to want to put things right from previous years. So there's a lot of factors that are going to play into it, obviously. But, um, yeah, we, we'll, we'll be prepared for it, and, and hopefully we can put on another exciting show.
0: No, absolutely. And, you know, that's the one thing that we're all hoping for. Uh, we're going to get ourselves a, another round of fireworks and uh, hopefully, uh, maybe Holbrook will get yourself a hat trick and maybe put you in, put your worries to ease if it's possible.
2: <laughs> hopefully, that'd be nice.
0: That would be nice. Well, anyway, listen, I just want to say uh, thank you very much for joining me tonight, Dale. Uh, good luck to you and Appalach- Appalachian FC into the second round, and hopefully you get on this big run, and uh, you'll have stories to tell back home in England or uh, you know, to your friends and family about what you've done as a manager. So that will be great.
2: I appreciate it. Thanks for having us on the show.
0: Thank you. Have a good night. You too. Thank you. That's Dale Parker, head coach of Appalachian FC. Of course, they're moving on to the second round of the U.S. Open Cup, and that's going to be an exciting time for all of us, and I cannot wait to see what's going to happen there. Joining me right now is uh, head coach uh, for Jacksonville Armada. Oh, my goodness, if you're talking about fireworks, fireworks came to Jacksonville, Florida against Miami United, and they come out smelling like roses Winning in a very long ten round penalty kick shootout after going one one through regulation extra time. This is the head coach Tommy uh Krizanovich. Tommy, welcome back to the show. We talked about being in the open cup and look what happened, time win to advance into the next round.
3: Yes, hi. Uh thanks thanks for having me first of all and um yes it was. Uh, it was uh, an exciting game. Um not something that we had planned for, surely, but, you know, sometimes that's how it goes, and sometimes uh, we have to make some adjustments, and luckily we were able to walk away on the on the winning side of things and uh, look forward to the next round.
0: Absolutely. I mean, look, I, if I can ask you this, obviously Miami United, once in NPSL, um, now obviously probably back down the amateur levels, but you've played them many, many times in the past. I mean, how difficult has this club been for you when they, ha- when they were in the NPSL League?
3: Really good club, really good organization. Um, you know, I've always been a really good game, competitive game against them. You know, you kind of know what to expect from the experience that, they, that those players carry. I mean, they always have really good players that have played at a high level, um, they're now Miami-based and train, play year-round. Uh, whether it was the NPSL during the summer or even a competitive local league that they play in and, and, and regional league. So, you know, we knew that um, we would be matched up with with guys that carry a lot of experience, that were quite savvy on the ball, off the ball, that knew how to manage the game for us. It came down to, you know, playing in front of the crowd. Playing for the crowd, for the community, and I think that's what um, carried us, even when it got a little bit tougher for us um, after the 85th. And uh, yeah, it's it's what 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 carried us through through the next 30.
4: So
0: it really seemed very even between both your teams. I mean, it really looked like a slugfest out there, Your trading chances, battles with the ball, all. Over the pitch, I mean, that's what it looked like from watching you guys on the stream through YouTube. Uh, does, did that? Did, did is that what it felt like for you on the pitch?
3: Yeah, I thought I thought it was a decently even game um, in possession, out of possession. We wanted to do, to do some things a little bit cleaner in possession of the ball, and especially in the attacking half. Um But I also. You know we also understand that you know it was it was a fairly new group to us as well um with a mix of of, of a couple of former pros, a couple players that are in between contracts now uh, some local players and then and then a some a mix of some academy players um walking away from this game you know bringing in the mix that we that we had, I was really pleased with the defensive side of things and the organization and really. For the for the group to stick to the uh, be disciplined and stick to the uh, responsibilities, um, but yeah, I definitely think we could have done a better job on the ball and created more chances and more more dangerous at times. I um, think that we're going to work on next, this week next week early and see if we can adjust.
0: Absolutely, um, you know. Talk about Micah Thomas. Obviously, uh, I thought he was excellent when he converted that chance in the 42nd minute uh, for your for you guys before the equalizer came a couple minutes after the second half started. But I mean, he he did put himself in a bad position, getting two yellows and then sent off in the 84th minute. Um, have you admonished him yet uh, for his uh, second yellow card? Because I think like, we, we can all agree I don't think that was a yellow for the being sent off.
3: Yeah, you know it, it's tough. It's a learning moment, definitely for him. He's a young, he's a young, uh, young player, and, and you know there is an opportunity here for him to make this experience and really know what consequences a first or a second yellow could have. Um, I think no matter how you look at the game, I think almost fifteen plus yellow cards back and forth. Um is not something that we would go, Hey, you know what? Uh, you know, the referee was really not wasn't really out of place and whatnot. I think we should have done a better job reading the situation of how the referee tried to control the game and in the end we didn't, you know, and Micah had could have but he's he's young and It's definitely a a different experience for him. I think he walks away from this experience probably never putting himself in that situation again. So a learning moment for him where we we are able to walk away on a positive note um, is is better than a learning moment where it could have decided the game and, and, and not in favor for us.
0: No, absolutely. Unfortunately, you will be without him in the second round. Uh, coming up uh, beginning of April very soon, obviously. So that'll be a little difficult, but I think you'll be able to manage that. And, of course, it was all clean and extra time. Nothing happened there. And then you move into the round of penalties. Now, I would say, you know, you're a veteran uh, manager or a coach that you've you've had your share of long penalty kick shootouts, whether they go five, just a little after five, or more than seven or eight. I mean, how nerve-wracking was it to watch what was going on for your club against this Miami team? <laughs> I'll, I'll
3: tell you what. I, um, I've lived through it quite a few times, whether as a manager or, or even as just a supporter, supporting my country, Croatia, in the recent four or five years. so But I'll tell you that you never really get used to it. And the nerves are the nerves. You're there. You feel for the, for the boys that are going up. And in the end, you hope that that um, they do the best they can. They're focused. They're 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 concentrating on what they need to do, and and we did, you know, uh, respect to to their side as well. We're really clinical. I mean, going back and forth and really coming down um, to just a couple of missed, two or three missed PKs from a round of 17 PKs was unbelievable. Um, but yeah, again, it's not something you can prepare for. Not something you ever. Can adjust to it's you know you you're in the moment you live in the moment and you work through scenarios what happens if we win what happens if we lose and we were fortunate enough to win and move
4: on.
0: Absolutely. When it gets to the keepers taking penalties, how uh, confident do you feel about that, or are you just as nervous as if it's a regular field player out there taking the spot kick?
3: I was I was definitely I was feeling for them more so than I was worried about my, myself. You know, like especially the younger the younger boys that were up, um, the academy guys that were up. You know, um, and obviously the one the one crossbar. But you know, you feel for them. You you live through the moment with them. Um, we did. You can't even. You cannot even go into a situation the day before or days before where you're training them because where you're training and, and, and trying to manipulate the environment to generate a, an environment that's going to be anything similar to what you're going to feel within that moment. So you really have to trust your keeper, that your keeper is switched on and reading cues as much as they can. We went with some statistical decisions as well. Uh, who starts? Who doesn't start? Who doesn't start with the PKs? Which guys are going to go first? Obviously, our more experienced guys kind of took the lead on on taking the PKs, and and we felt like you know what, this is this is the best approach we can we can get into, and, um, and yeah, and, and in the end, it worked out.
0: What is it like for you to see your keeper converting the game-winning penalty and then stopping? the opposition from converting that penalty to make it into 11th round?
3: Yeah, un- unbelievable experience, obviously, for us. Um, him especially having a really solid performance throughout the game. Um, and then even in the end, picking up the captain's armband. You know, these are things that kind of happen within the game, you know, where players start identifying who is who and who needs to step up, and he did. Uh, Nick did a fantastic job. Um, he was really close to a couple of PKs, I thought, as well. Um, I think he felt like he could have probably finished off the game a little bit sooner. Um, but for him to step up, having to shoot one, because of the situation that we were in, and not only finished, but finish the way he did, um, and then turn around and save one was, was a surreal experience, I'm, I'm sure not, not just for him, but everyone involved.
0: Um, obviously, this club's been around for a good while now uh, since the, uh, the NASL days and uh, your owner is really stuck around big time. Obviously uh, it sounds like that there's finally going to be a stadium being built for the club. I mean, how important has your owner been to keep this club afloat and to keep it alive? Not just, you know, starting off in the, in the uh, old NASL, not the old NASL, but I mean the last uh version of it but you know to continue it here in the npsl
3: for sure i i think you know i think uh, looking at the situation we we're definitely grateful because uh to show that type of resilience um robert himself you know to keep things alive um to nathan our president who who kept believing and and and,
2: and um
3: and is 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 living it day in day out to the organization to the support base the fan base you know as, as you, you see that the community and the group is quite resilient um how important it is to to keep to keep a quality team alive and and hopefully to go back to pro as, as you can see it right having been without a pro side for a few years but but no we're looking forward to everything that's going on um hopefully we we hear some more news on the, on the league that we're deciding on and, and moving forward with. Obviously, the stadium announcement has been massive uh, for everyone involved, and, and uh, yeah, we're surely grateful to Robert for him to, you know, easily easily could have turned around and said, you know what, it's not worth it anymore. But he's also seen something valuable in this, and and um, and I think one day in the future we'll all sit down, have a drink, and uh, and think about. Uh, remind ourselves not to forget where we where we were at uh, not too long ago, um, and then move forward.
0: Now, your opponents are going to be in the second round, Miami FC, out of the USL Championship League. Uh, you'll be on the road uh, taking all, them on at FIU Soccer Stadium. What is about Miami? Well, then again, it's another Miami club, isn't it, that you got to face? There's too many clubs in Miami to count. I, I don't know how <laughs> you can do it. I can't. But <laughs> – but uh, yes. honestly, though, um, what what is it about Miami FC that's going to give you worries? But what have you seen from them from last year and whatever games they've started with this year that you feel confident that you're going to be able to move on into the third round?
3: Well, no, I don't know. I, I, I think what we're going to look to do is enjoy the moment, enjoy the moment of being able to play – the pro side and within the pro setting, um, I'll tell you that I'm pretty sure they have more to lose than we do, and and that's the approach that we're going to go into the game with. Um, at the end, you know, whether we win or lose and walk away from that situation we will have hopefully become better, um, not just better players better men better organization and, and reflect on it and see what we can do if we win fantastic we'll reorganize again and to do, do our homework do our bits and pieces to prepare as much as we can and play to our strengths and and not really microman try not to micromanage everything because you can't you know this is a group put together that's really enjoying playing together that's enjoying training together and we're going to keep it at that keep it simple and, and try to enjoy the experience as much as we can
0: Absolutely. And I guess lastly, uh, you get great support, obviously, down in Jacksonville. You know, I I know they're very loyal down there to their professional sports teams, whether it be the Jaguars in the NFL or the minor league baseball team or the the minor hockey league team. But, you know, those fans have been with you for a very, very long time. How happy were you to see, of course, not just winning that penalty kick shootout to move into the second round, but everyone running... Away from the stands, running to the field and celebrating with your boys,
3: yeah, that's what it's all about, right I mean, creating moments like this for for a fan base is 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 really what we can hope to do um making games exciting that's that's always been been my goal as a coach is to be able to go into games and not just win them but make them exciting, make them make people be able to want to watch and come out and support this group and, and and live through those moments with us. And and I thought we did a good job at that and we provided an interesting game, maybe not exactly the way we wanted to, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic to have that group behind you and, 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 you know whether whether they've been with us for years or whether it's even the younger ones that are starting to grow up that see the things, see how much this game matters. I think overall for the development of the game within the United States, is so important that younger players are able to go out and, and, and see these games in in person and in life um,
0: because they really get to
3: feel and get a feel for that for the game and what it's all about.
0: That's Tommy Krizanovich, the head coach of Jacksonville Armada. Tommy, thank you for your time. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Good luck in the second round, and hopefully you'll advance and move forward.
3: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. And now we're going to move on to the west side of uh, the country. El (laughs) Farolito pulling off an amazing victory in the Open Cup in extra time as they take out a plucky and a dangerous inter San Francisco side winning this one three goals to nil. Joining me right now the head coach Santiago Lopez of El Farolito joining me. Santiago, welcome back to the show. I, I gotta tell you, I know unfortunately the match was moved away from Boxer due to the uh the weather situation on the West Coast. That I know the weather's been playing havoc this uh, spring uh, over uh, in California but you know what determination that your side had to pull out this huge 3-0 victory in extra time against Inter San Francisco?
4: Thanks for having me back Um, it's always a pleasure to be here Um, yeah it was a very difficult game just starting off we knew the team the opponent knew us very well and we knew a lot of their players that have played with us as well and and in the second half we really started getting into rhythm in the last twenty minutes of the match. They were they had a lot of good chances and they dominated and for most of the game. But uh in the last twenty we, we made some changes and it definitely switched. Um and more in favor of us and we were pressuring them more. But um with the red card it 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 I, I don't know, I guess the players went on survival mode survival mode and, and everybody on the bench as well and we were just Never wanted to give up on the on the game and the situation, and and they definitely gathered gathered a lot of strength, and they were able to pull it off.
0: No, they really, really did, and I gotta tell you, I mean, I to be honest with you, watching the match, I, I thought it was a bit even, maybe your side had a little more of advantage than Inter did, but still, though, I thought it was a very evenly match all throughout regulation.
4: Yeah, they. Um... In possession-wise, I think it was pretty much the same. And shots, I think, were pretty much the same. But in my perspective, they were much more dangerous than us in, in certain uh, goal-scoring situations. But uh, we're very fortunate that it didn't, they had to go in and they had their opportunity and they didn't take advantage of it. And, and that's how the game is. If You know, you got to put them in. And if you don't, these type of things could happen at the end of the game.
0: You know, I, I referenced, you know six of these games, four of the six, the home side got a man sent off, but somehow they won the match or at least won it through penalties and then advanced to the next round. That was your side. I mean, when uh, Hebert Soto got sent off that straight red, um, I mean, like I agree with you. I mean, I thought, oh, my God, you guys are done for because I don't know how Farrellito is going to survive this and then you go into extra time, as you said, survival mode kicked in. And, and, you know, that was amazing to watch how your boys all of a sudden get two goals within a four to five minute span just after the start of extra time.
4: Yeah. Yeah. We actually do. We do focus on keeping it very simple on the set pieces and we have uh, some key players going up on, uh, on those situations. And, and we were very fortunate that it finally um it worked out and, and we we scored on those uh two early corner kicks um in the extra time and at the end of regulation everybody was very very motivated that you know we could we could pull this off especially with the formation that we were playing um uh, we just had to pull back one attacking player and to fill in that spot of Soto and we basically maintained the same formation and playing out through the wings and trying to keep possession in the middle and yeah it, it we were very fortunate that it worked out and spread it to them because they they knew us very well and and they played a very high tempo game and they were very aggressive in all lines and and they they were very very organized so we we expected that for sure but we were just waiting for to break yeah.
0: No, absolutely. And if I can ask you this, I mean when you get to the end of regulation, did you give a speech to the guys or did the guys just self-motivate themselves? Like you said, I know you said that, you know, they're right on survival mode, but did you have to say something or did you just let them talk amongst themselves and, you know, pump themselves up to attack in that extra time?
4: Um, sometimes uh, the players itself they they start regrouping and mentioning and that's where you start learning and Um, listening to them more and getting to learn more from them and during that time I I honestly just I just I stood quiet and I I listened everything they were saying and they were organizing everything and I'm very fortunate to have uh, so many you know all these players that really do care about the the project and the the club and the, the situation and trying to pull this off and they knew that it was either you know kill or die, and they knew that, and they were motivating themselves 100%. And at the end, I just uh, kind of told told them a little bit of you know uh, to maintain focus on their individual goals and and to be very confident because I, I knew that they were very talented and they were prepared for this obstacle, and and they definitely did it
0: talk about jonathan mascara he's the one that opened the scoring in extra time uh where did you find him and and how important of a player is he for this el ferralito side
4: yeah him like everybody else are very 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 important um he's been this is his first year in the club he's a friend of another center uh our old captain from last season center back as well is not playing with us anymore um he basically recommended me to him and I went to go see him play and and it was just a no-brainer. I invited him over and, and he's a starting center, center back and he's also a very big, uh, very important person in the motivational and, and psychological aspect of the group. He's one of the most experienced ones, so he adapts to any situation and he talks to everybody in the group, either if you're an 18-year-old or a 30-year-old, he treats everybody the same so he's a he's a big-time player for sure
0: and John Keone gets that second goal five minutes later Uh, another important player for your side and uh, what are his best attributes when he's uh, attacking with the
4: ball well he definitely is he's very good on the one-on-one situations he's very quick Um, he's quick with his feet he knows how to dribble he could use both feet um, he likes to cross, and he also likes to make inside runs and try to look for um, those one-two wall passes. Um, so, yeah, he's 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 very intelligent and very young. He's one of the youngest players in the squad, so we're very we're we're looking forward to working with him this season, and hopefully he can attract some attention and he could get a professional contract in the future.
0: Very, very good to hear that. <clears throat> Excuse me, and of course, uh, Cesar Benitez gets that final goal in the second half of extra time in the 113th minute, and basically that's it. You're you're already stamping your ticket to the second round of the Open Cup. Um, just an amazing match all over the place. I mean, I give Inter San Francisco a lot of credit as well, uh, being the man up, but just your guys able to push forward and finding the way to get that big, big victory to move on to the next round. That was unbelievable. Have you ever seen your side uh, be this strong whenever it's been down a man like this?
4: Yeah. um, Before joining the NPSL, our last season in the San Francisco League, we – we were playing the final with the historic Olympic club at Boxer stadium. And we were down two zero at halftime. And this is the final of the league match and I'm sorry, the league. And we ended up winning three, two with a man down. So that's happened before. And then uh, qualifying for the 2017 open cup, we were in Lake forest playing against strikers FC on the second round of the qualifiers, um, in 35 minutes, we went down two men, we were playing with nine, and we ended up winning 2-1 that game, and we ended up qualifying to the Open Cup that year as well.
0: Very good to hear that, and you know that's just wonderful to know. Uh, what your side has done so far through uh, qualification and, of course, uh, being into the Open Cup and fighting for for everything in front of you uh, for 90 minutes on the pitch. Now, uh, your second-round opponent, you will be on the road on Tuesday, April the 4th against the Oakland Roots of USL Championship. You'll remain in the Bay Area, of course. Oakland has been a very tough nut to crack in USL Championship. I bet you've seen a bunch of their games, of course, uh, heading on over there whenever you're able to be over there in the Oakland area. And What have you seen from them that gives you concern, or what do you think you can do to maybe uh, unnerve them or unseat them to get to that next round?
4: Um yeah, I've been watching some of their games and I do know some of their players from past season from last season and they've maintained a big uh a large amount of their last season um, players into this one. I know that they love I know how they like to play. They're very high tempo, they like to pressure. They also are very good in, in staying back and staying compact and defending and looking for the counter. Um uh, I know that there's a lot of cup sets in in US, you know, in the cup in previous years. Um, previously, when we've played against a USL Championship uh, roster, they normally field half of their starters, with half of um, other players that are not getting a lot of minutes because they have a larger roster and, and other USL Championship uh, teams as well. They do that in the country, but for this one, we're up for a very tough test because. Oakland Roots don't doesn't have a uh, a deep roster. So they're going to be fielding more than 80% of their starters. I am expecting that, so it's going to be very very tough. They're a very organized team and and on all lines, they have amazing uh, players that have MLS experience and and right now they they're, they're trying to get into rhythm with the with their new season and and they've only been they've only played two because last season they I mean last last week they couldn't play because they had some um, stadium issues. So I'm 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 very confident they're going to play their starting eleven, and it's going to be a tough one.
0: Now, if I can ask you this, uh, and I know it's kind of rare in the Open Cup, but uh, being moved out of box or two be where you were for your home match apparently there was a double header as well uh project 510 took on crossfire Premier uh at that same stadium later on in the evening did you did you go back to watch that match did you see what goes on with that one i mean what was that for you if you were able to see that
4: no unfortunately we were busy with um with our post game um uh, activities, uh, making sure the players got home safely. We went, you know, to go eat and everything. We, unfortunately, wasn't able to, to watch the game. Uh, we ended up in one of the preseason matches. We played that 5-1-0 team, and and we knew that they had a very good team play that game. But also, we got eliminated by Crossfire um, last season at the West Region Final. And I know that team is extremely good. They're very physical. They're very good in set pieces, very high tempo, uh, great experience in college level, and that organization works very, very well from all the way to their youth club and their. They they have a very good DNA, and I knew it was going to be a good match. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to. And um, good, I'm I'm happy for Crossfire because of the MPSL, but unfortunate that. You know five one oh wasn't able to continue in the run because they're good friends friends of ours, and thanks to them, we were allowed to play earlier and earlier than them because we had the stadium issue, so we're very grateful for that organization to help us out.
0: That's great to hear. So what was the victory meal?
4: uh we actually went to eat at the rest one of the restaurants of the of the club El Farolito in San Francisco.
0: That's absolutely fantastic. What's the best uh what's the best uh dish there?
4: Um, I highly recommend the the marinated pork combination with prawns. It could be either quesadilla or uh a burrito.
0: I gotta find a Kleenex tissue now. I'm already drooling. Oh <laughs> boy. I I gotta I gotta make a trip now over there to see you. I gotta go. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I got it right down plenty, on my calendar. Uh, plenty of that. All right. Good. Well, I guess that'll be my next victory meal as well. Uh <laughs> Santiago, listen, thank awesome. you so much for joining me tonight. Good luck in the next round of the open cup and hopefully you'll move on and start a start a run here.
4: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me and, and congratulations to everybody who has qualified.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Have a good night.
4: You too.
0: All right. That's Santiago Lopez, uh, head coach of El Ferralito, as they move on to the next round of the U.S. Open Cup. And uh, it should be a lot of fun to see them celebrate over there. So we'll get ready for that one uh, as Hello. we move on to the next uh, match. My final guest tonight is uh, the head coach of Capistrano FC. Capo FC is the head coach, Pete Carey, on a very big win over Ventura County Fusion. Head coach Pete Carey, welcome back to the show, and how are you?
5: I'm doing well. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing excellent. What a victory and what a clinic that was by your side, down a goal, and then all of a sudden exploding for four and that, to me, was probably the best match I have seen an amateur side perform in the Open Cup in a very, very long time. yeah, it was um
5: it was definitely an exciting game for us.
0: It really, really was, and I gotta tell you that was amazing when when you were preparing for this match um against Ventura County, what were you hoping for? that your players were going to go and, you know, execute the game plan that you had for them? Um, Well, I knew it was going to be a a little bit higher level
5: going into the game. Obviously, we're advancing, so the teams get better as you advance. And uh, it's hard to – it was hard to prepare for their team because the film we did get, it was – a little different different players each time and they looked a little different each time so we kind of just focused on you know what we could do well and, and try to you know just go in at our best at our best and kind of make them deal with us and that was kind of the game plan going in um, so preparing for it was really just trying to get our guys to make sure they're we're at our uh, maximum performance level if that makes sense
0: no, it does. And let me tell you something. I mean, after being down uh, six minutes in by Jerry uh, Deduns of Ventura County, your guys just kicked into high gear. Uh, Josu Gallardo equalized in the 16th and a hell of a goal by Sergio Vega inside first half stoppage time to give you that lead before the halftime whistle was blown.
5: Yeah, we were, uh, to be honest, we were lucky, lucky to get out of halftime at the lead. I thought the first half, they were they were much better. They created more opportunities. They hit the post, I think, three times. Um, yeah, I think our boys just came in a little nervous, and uh, they came out firing. And, uh, honestly, we went into halftime, and just being honest with myself and the boys, I told them we were lucky to be in a, in the a lead at soccer sometimes. It's not the, the team that's playing the best. It's the one that can finish their chances, and, Fortunately, we were able to finish our chances, and while they were the better team um, for the first half, you know, but we walked out of there in a very
0: good spot with that,
5: the way that played out with two one v going into halftime.
0: No, and they really did, and you know, throughout the match, I think at the start of the second half, and then of course, uh, Parker Scaizo makes it three one in the fifty third minute, and then after that goal. I mean, I saw a lot of frustration from Ventura County. I mean, they were fouling your guys, pulling on the shirts, uh tackling them a little harder than normal. I mean, your guys really put them in, in a headlock, and they just couldn't find a way to break through
5: yeah, Parker Scalzo. so I thought you know the second half we made some adjustments and we came and we were you know we, we were able to you know, compete at a better level, you know, making it much more back and forth and putting up much more of a better fight and it, we created uh, a lot more chances for us off the second half and honestly, you know, because of just like what I had told them, in the first, you know, earlier, if we finished our chances, we'd win the game and that's what we did well and that's why, um, you know, we were able to get the result because, you know, they were they were good and they created chances and it would be difficult for me to say we were the better team on the night. I think it was a challenge to have, but, guys had big moments, and they did the the important part during those moments, and, you know, we got the reward for it.
0: And I also have to say this. um, I don't know the player that brought the ball up, because I know uh, Havani Ramos-Moda scored the fourth goal in the 77th minute, but when the ball was brought up, I thought that was a brilliant run. A lot of technical ability from that player who brought the ball up before uh, Moda converted. But still, though, like I said, I mean, that was an amazing display of, uh, you know, ball dribbling, uh, moving up the pitch, and just finding your, you know, finding motives to put the ball in the back of the net.
5: Yeah, it was, uh, it was either Josue Galato or, or Sergio Vega that kind of initiated that drive up the midfield that kind of led to that goal.
0: That's fantastic. I'll tell you, I, he, to me, I mean, you know more, your team more than I do, obviously, but to me, he seems like a really gifted technical player to bring the ball up and to find those seams to be in the right place at the right time to pass or at least to take the shot himself and score. Are you talking about um, – who are we talking about? The, the gentleman Sorry. that – vague, I believe, who was bringing the ball up oh, yeah. from Moda to convert the
5: chance. Yeah. He had a great night. Him, him and Josue both really really had a great night in the midfield. And they were just – it was the work rate, the box-to-box work work rate, putting uh, put the effort on both sides when we had to defend, you know, that transition work rate to get back and defend. And the same when we attacked, that explosive uh, attack. And their work rate probably, you know, is probably under under notice. You know, everybody focuses on the goal scorers. But those guys are what, really what, you know – were uh creating the, the environment for everybody to find that success out the gates, you know what I mean?
0: No, I really, really do. Absolutely. And, you know, like I said, um, that was a great match. Like you said, it was tail two halves, but, you know, I, I really thought, like I said, I mean, even though you made your adjustments at halftime, I thought you were really frustrated Ventura County all uh, throughout the match and uh, your side to me, to me, it looked like you were the better side, than Ventura was, and and you deserve to I get the victory and move on to the next round.
5: Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, no we, problem uh, at all. Well, I thought I thought we were better the second half, but it'd be hard for me to to, mm. to say that the first half. But at the end of the day, we got the result. That's what matters for us. So.
0: No, absolutely. But you're going to have a tough opponent now because in your next round, you'll be taking on Orange County SC, of course, two years ago. They won the USL Championship uh, title uh, two years ago, defeating Tampa Bay Rowdies down at Al Lang and St. Pete. Uh, This is going to be a really tough opponent for you guys. What have you seen from them? What are you expecting from them? What do you think you can do to take advantage to try and move on to that next round and, and get on a big run here?
5: Well, obviously that's a, a big fish for us. So, you know, I I see that they're obviously they, they could be dangerous, you know, all over the field, and um, it'll be hard to, uh, you know, with the resources they have and being able to to bring in international pro players and in the in those type of uh, that type of roster compared to what we're bringing up, we're we're definitely a, a, an underdog and. Honestly, like I can't. We're we're trying not to focus too much on you know everything they have because it, it would be a, it's more than what we got. So we're trying to focus on what what you know what we can do to disrupt their game and and try to make uh, some chances and some moments for us to be successful and and hopefully um, you know deny deny them um, opportunities as much as possible. So I, I know it'll be the toughest game we've ever had to play. So. But, you know, we're, we're full of uh, confidence right now. The boys are buzzing. And um, I think we've done everything to earn the, the right to be here. So that, that's been my message to the boys. They, they, they belong here because they've earned it. So it's, it's their uh, chance to make a statement and hopefully surprise some people and, and put our club on the map on a, on a national level. So that's kind of what we're doing.
0: What was the, uh, any of, any of your, uh, supporters visited you, uh, over at Ventura County or when you got back from the match, uh, they waited for you and they cheered you on for the victory? Well,
5: <laughs> not quite. Man. I think we got back at like tw- a little bit after midnight, but we did have a tremendous support, especially from like our youth club and all the kids in our youth club and those, you know, our, our capital family, as we say in our community, but, um, we have a lot of support. I've had a lot of uh, people compliment and reach out to us and cheer us on. So it is a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a huge blessing to, to have that much attention and to, for these boys to, kind of, get that, that feel to see people are watching them and watching the games and cheering on for them that they don't even know about. So it, it's been great, man. I and mean, the guys are really enjoying it, and I'm enjoying watching them uh, live
0: the moment. That's great to see, and that's great to hear. And, uh, look, we're rooting for you to uh, have another uh, make-a-cup set in the next round. Hopefully uh, that will happen against Orange County over in Irvine. And uh, all I can say is good luck to you and good luck to the boys, and hopefully you make that uh, big victory in the next round.
5: Well, we appreciate the support, man, and uh,
0: we're going to do our best, brother. Have a good night. Thanks for joining me, and you, have, you take care.
5: You too. Thank you, sir.
0: Thank you, sir. That's Coach P. Carey of Capistrano FC, Capo FC, as they are moving on to the next round of the U.S. Open Cup. Now it's time to talk about the schedule for uh, the second round of the U.S. Open Cup for Tuesday, April 4th, Wednesday, April 5th, and Thursday, April 6th. Um, Here it is right now, 7 p.m. games, Forward Madison hosting Chicago House. That's the Peter Wilt Bowl. Bree Stevens Field in Madison, Wisconsin. Miami FC taking on Jacksonville Armada at the FIU Stadium in Miami, Florida. Hartford Athletic will be hosting Lansdowne Yonkers. Once again, the match will be at the Trinity Health Stadium up in Hartford, Connecticut. And one Knoxville SC will be taking on Memphis 901 FC, the Battle of Tennessee, over at the Regal Soccer Stadium in Knoxville. At 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, we have Detroit City hosting Gold Star Detroit. That's live on the Bleacher Report YouTube channel, as well as their app. Also at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Tampa Bay Rowdies hosting Nona FC at Al Lang Stadium in St. Petersburg, Florida. And Flower City Union hosting Manhattan SC at the Rochester Community Sports Complex in Rochester, New York. At 8 o'clock Eastern. Charleston Battery hosting the Savannah Clovers at the Patriots Point Soccer Stadium in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. San Antonio FC is hosting Club De Leon at Toyota Stadium in San Antonio, Texas. New Mexico United will be hosting UDA Soccer at 9 p.m. Eastern at Rio Rancho High School Stadium in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. And finally, also live on Bleacher Report, Oakland Roots hosting El Farolito at the CSUEB Pioneer Stadium in Hayward, California. On Wednesday, April the 5th at 7 p.m., Charlotte Independence will be hosting Appalachian FC at the Mecklenburg County Sportsplex in Matthews, North Carolina. Indy 11 will be hosting the Michigan Stars at the Michael A. Carroll Track and Soccer Stadium in Indianapolis, Indiana, and the Battle of Louisville. Kentucky, or the Battle of Kentucky. It will be Louisville City hosting Lexington Sporting Club at the Lynn Family Stadium, and that will be on the Bleacher Report. Loudoun United FC hosting North Carolina FC at Sedgwick Field in Leesburg, Florida, uh, Virginia. Almost said Florida. There is a Leesburg in Florida. But it will be in Leesburg, Virginia, this match. Maryland Bobcats will be hosting Ocean City Nor'easters at the Maryland Sportsplex, in Boyd's, Maryland. and At 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Chattanooga Red Wolves will be hosting Birmingham Legion at the CHI Memorial Stadium in East Ridge, Tennessee. South Georgia Tormenta hosting Rio Grande Valley of, uh, in Texas, the Toros, over at Tormenta Stadium in Statesboro, Georgia at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Des Moines Menace will be hosting Chattanooga FC at the Valley Stadium in West Des Moines, Iowa. That will be on Bleach Report. Union Omaha hosting El Paso Locomotive at the Michael G. Morrison SJ Stadium in Omaha, Nebraska. Tulsa Athletic will be hosting FC Tulsa at Hicks Park. Colorado Springs Switchbacks will be hosting Northern Colorado Hailstorm at the Widener Field in Downtown Colorado Springs at 9 Eastern, live on Bleacher Report. Orange County SC hosting Capo FC at 10 p.m. Eastern time at the Championship Soccer Stadium in Irvine, California, also on Bleacher Report. Sacramento Republic hosting Crossfire Redmond at Heart Health Park in Sacramento, California. San Diego Loyal hosting Albion San Diego, the SDSU Sports Deck in San Diego, California, Central Valley Fuego hosting Monterey Bay FC at the Fresno State University Soccer Stadium in Fresno, California, Las Vegas Lights hosting LA Force at the Peter Joe uh, Johan Soccer Field at the campus of UNLV in Las Vegas, Nevada, and finally, Phoenix Rising hosting Greenville Triumph at the Phoenix Rising Stadium in Phoenix, Arizona at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, live on Bleacher Report. And the lone match on Thursday, April the 6th, which will be on Bleacher Report, Richmond Kickers will be hosting Cleveland SC at the City Stadium in Richmond, Virginia, 7 o'clock Eastern Time, also on Bleacher Report. And then hopefully uh, before that match, we will have the third round draw uh, happening, or maybe it'll happen on Friday we'll, on the um, on the seventh. We'll have to wait and see what's going to happen there. But we'll get to that when we get to that. I want to thank my guests for tonight. I want to thank Ray Salvatore of Manhattan SC, Dale Parker of Appalachian FC, Tommy Krizanovich uh, of Jacksonville Armada, Santiago Lopez of El Ferralito, and P. Carey of Capo FC. Now, I will have a special show at 2 o'clock in the afternoon for the Red Bulls, covering the Red Bulls, so we'll be re- re- uh, reviewing their weekend match in Charlotte, so for Red Bull fans, join me there, but join me on Monday for a regular Four Eastings Fire American Soccer Show. I want to thank you all for listening to me tonight. This has been the 2023 U.S. Open Cup Round 1 Review Show here on the For Fire American Soccer Show. Thank you for joining me tonight. Take care so long, and bye-bye for now. And as always, please enjoy your football. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Haha, in my dentist's office.